0: You are listening to The Current Podcast, the official podcast of UC San Diego's IT Services Department. I'm your host, Miguel Rodriguez. Today is Wednesday, July 12th. In recent months, you may have noticed a new look for UC San Diego websites, graphics, signs, billboards, and more. Gone are the familiar Trident and Geisel Library graphics, replaced with bright colors, grit texture, floating orbs, line work, and amorphous shapes. That's right. Earlier this year, UC San Diego unveiled a brand refresh How does this impact IT services? As of Monday, July 10th, we have a revised look that incorporates the new elements. Head to our brand page on the current for new PowerPoint templates and Zoom backgrounds. You can find these materials by clicking on operations in the top navigation menu, clicking on communications on the internal support column, and finally clicking on the brand tools and templates page found on the left side navigation menu. You may start using these templates and backgrounds immediately. Please begin to phase out IT services templates that use the Trident graphic. If you need any assistance with new materials or have usage questions, please do not hesitate to email its-communications at ucsd.edu. And now let's hand it over to Paul Kruger, who caught up with fellow Navy sailor, John Gunvaldsen. Take it away, Paul.
1: Hey everyone, it's Paul Kruger with the PMO, and I'm here with somebody that I've just started recently working with on a project, John Gunvulton. And I said that name correctly, even though uh, he's got a fun story about how to pronounce his last name. How's it going, John?
2: Uh, good, and um, are we talking about what I was just talking about with my son?
1: Yeah, yeah. We don't have to put that in there if you don't want. We can start over if you want.
2: No, no, it's fine. I was just <laughs> saying that... Um, that you think as an adult and the leader of your family, so to speak, that you get to choose how your name is pronounced. Well, my son consistently decided to choose his own pronunciation for our last name, and I correct him every time we meet, and I don't know why his brain doesn't work the same as mine, but oh, man. Um, but he gets to pick his own way, I guess, for his family, and that's fine. I guess so, yeah. yeah. He, <laughs> sa- he says uh, Gunvaldusen. Is, oh, okay. is kind of the way he pronounces it, but I keep selling him it's Gunvaldson, and uh we'll see. Maybe, maybe his my grandkids will get it right. Maybe that,
1: that reminds me of a Family Guy episode where Chris answers the phone, yeah. Stevenson Residence. Chris, yeah. over this, it's pronounced Griffin.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny.
1: So, uh I was told that you were in the Navy. Is that true?
2: Yeah, twenty four years, almost almost a quarter of a century, and. Oh, long time from 1975 to 2000. 75, huh? what made you join the Navy? It's funny, but the, the draft was still going, and it was near the end of the draft, but there was always that kind of like, I don't know, you might end up from the Marines kind of thing, you know, so <laughs> um, you, while you still had a choice, and I still had a choice, um, I picked Navy, and then I asked for a guarantee that I wanted submarines and they had to guarantee me, they'd give me submarines. And it just so happens they had a program like that. It hmm. was uh, called the subfare program and you get guaranteed submarines or they let you back out of the Navy. Oh, so wow. I, I joined up with that one. That was pretty cool. So were you a, uh, what they call a nuke? So there's lots of names for the people on the front end of the boat. And uh, one of the names was corners. And uh, so I guess I'm a corner and uh, in, in that respect, I rose up through the ranks, um, doing basic seamanship jobs at the very beginning, all the way up to retired as a chief petty officer. Wow! And um, along the way, learned a lot of tricks. So,
1: and uh, so I was in the navy too. I only did five years. I was a petty officer second class. But funny, funny story. I never set foot on a ship once. (laughs) Really?
2: Oh, (laughs) yeah. You told me you were a shore patrol, or
1: well, I was a master at arms by race. Master at arms. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, but uh, end up spending a little time with the army in Afghanistan on a joint forces team, so it's, it's weird. Everybody says, uh, "Oh, you were in the navy. You should talk to John. He was on uh, a submarine. <laughs> Weren't you in the navy too?" I'm like, "Well, yeah, but it's completely like, you,
2: different thing. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. When you when you compare our navy service, it's like, uh, well, the only similarity we have is we had the word U.S. Navy on our uniform."
2: Yeah, and we both were second-class petty officers at one point.
1: At one point, exactly. Yeah. Um, so what what drove you towards submarines specifically and not aviation or yeah. anything like that?
2: That's kind of a cool story, too. But I don't know how much time we have, but my brother-in-law. tell me time you want. Oh, cool. So my brother-in-law, who's like, I don't know, he's 18 years older than me, um, married to my sister. He was in the Navy as a young ensign all the way up through lieutenant, and wow. he was a nuke. And um he was on the very first submarine to surface at the North Pole. Whoa. And, um, when I would, you know, I was 14, 15 years old sitting around his living room talking to him, he'd talk about the story of, of surfacing and um they didn't have a ship's photographer, so they threw a camera at him and tell him told him to go topside.
0: No so he
2: literally got to get off the sub and walk around on the north pole and take pictures of the very first time a submarine ever did that. And uh, those stories and stories like it are what convinced me I, I wanted to do that. I wanted to be a submariner. And um, so even at an early age, like 14 or 15, I, I was certain that that if I had to go in the service, that that's what I would
1: do. Wow. Yeah. And for people who don't, I know what a nuke is, but for people who don't, who weren't in the Navy, <laughs> whenever yeah. we say, you know, don't nuke it or or you just a nuke or something like that, what is a nuke?
2: Yeah. Uh, well, it, it means different things in different places in the Navy, but uh, <laughs> in my world, it was all the, it, it was all the enlisted and officers that worked in the engineering spaces and particularly aft of the reactor. So all the Navy submarines I worked on were nuclear and all of the reactors required a lot of maintenance. And trust me when I say you don't want to not do the maintenance on your nuclear reactor. <laughs> it was kind of a, it was kind of a thing that we were split into kind of like groups, and so there was nuclear machinist mates, there was nuclear electricians, nuclear reactor control experts, uh, technicians, um, all sorts of different rates were nuclear. But up forward with my group, um, we had you know sonarmen and fire right. control technicians and. Um, storekeepers and yeomen and uh even even a doctor. Yeah, the nukes were back there, they never got liberty. We'd pull into a port, the nukes had basically had to stay on board. The guys up front, we could take a week off if we wanted. It was great.
1: And in other rates, we refer to nuking as uh overthinking it, you know, like yeah, make fun yeah. of somebody like uh, hey, how do I tie my shoes? It's like, don't nuke it, just tie your shoe.
2: Ah, uh, that's interesting. <laughs> A little another part of the Navy I didn't really ever get to get to meet that much,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, it's kind of our way of making fun of because the nukes are like the really, really smart guys that have to pass all the high ASVAB scores to be able to work yeah. on nuclear reactors and stuff. So usually they're the guys that have to like break down everything and analyze everything. And It's just 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 tie your shoe.
2: Well, um, <laughs> even though they had a bad you know deal as far as liberty, Mm-mm. they got a good deal as far as reenlistment bonus. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. People they have some really bonus. incredible reenlistment bonuses, like 20, 30, dollars back then. Yeah.
1: Like they 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 rivaled special warfare, yeah, uh, re-enlistment bonuses. <laughs> so uh so we've met in person a couple of times, but you know, I'm, I'm a pretty tall dude, six foot three. Wow. And not a chance I would ever be able to fit on a submarine. How tall are you?
2: I'm five nine, but you'd be surprised. There were a lot really? of tall guys. You either get it and you learn how to duck constantly uh-huh. or or you're miserable and you decide to get off the boat. And on submarines, it's always kind of voluntary. So you could walk up to the EXO and say, EXO, I'm six foot three. I just hate it. I'm constantly banging my head. I'd like to do something else. Can you get me off the boat? And the XO would be like, We don't want you here if you don't want to be here. Wow. And boom, you'd be you'd be off the boat in a flat second. That's yeah. funny.
1: Yeah, I uh, toured around the USS Midway with my niece. And of course, she was asking me questions. Hey, Uncle Paul, what's that? Like, I don't know. I was like, yep. Yeah. But <laughs> I just remember I hit my head like two or three times. Yeah, but It was on like a, a foam padded area because it's obviously where other tourists have hit their yeah. head too. So I'm like, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I was perfect size. Five nines, just, just right. Nice. I can walk straight up and not hit anything. And yeah, so I was served- a
1: good size. So you served well into the nineties, almost until what? Two almost I, late nineties. I
2: also, I picked my retirement date. Oh, you did. I picked it to be on, on leap day in the year 2000. So it was uh, February 29th. If I'm, if I got that right. Oh, wow. So um, I literally retired on leap day in 2000. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I get, to, you can pick your own retirement date pretty much. Really? And yeah. Um, um, you know, you take leave or whatever it takes to get to that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a thing, and and you can also retire where you want. You know, you the Navy retire? would have paid to send me back to my hometown if I if I had wanted to. Hmm. You know,
1: where was that? Where did you end up retiring?
2: I right here in San Diego, but oh, um go. they would have sent me back to St. Paul, where I where I started, um, if I wanted. You know, they would have moved my whole family back up there at the end. So how many boats were you on? So it's funny, um, I had a kind of really weird career in the Navy. I don't know if anybody's interested in all the details. but
1: Like the guy who never set foot on a ship?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I always tell people I got a lot more out of the Navy than they got out of me, uh, including education, training, schools, Mm. um, a ton. And part of that was the way I did my career was I had two four-year tours, which is regular. That's kind of typical in the Navy. My first boat was called the Sunfish out of Charleston, South Carolina. And my second boat was called the Los Angeles um, Pearl Harbor. And um, those are my two regular tours. But after that, I did what's called neutral duty. And um, I did a bunch of neutral duty. In fact, I did so much that the Navy was getting a little bit worried that I was doing too much neutral duty. And (laughs) and all of it was computer-based. I got to um, literally go on Every submarine on the West Coast and worked for two weeks installing their computer systems and software. And um, I worked for a command called NavMassel, um which later became Spa Wars, which is pretty famous in San Diego. Yeah. And so essentially, I worked for Spa Wars for most of half of my career, actually, and um, and did installations of software and uh, training on uh, all the submarines and some surface ships. Yeah, I I did all the Trident's up in Bangor. That was kind of cool. Oh, you did? Yeah, they were uh, gigantic fleet ballistic missile submarines, uh, 24 tubes, two crews, and uh, they all got uh, the software that we were installing. We did that, I think, roughly 94 to 96, somewhere in that time frame. We were installing the Trident submarines. Wow. So I would take trips from here up to banger. Uh, um, and, um, it was actually kind of silver city banger, that, that kind of area mm-hmm. up in Washington state. And, um, we would drag all of our software. I had like reams of three and a half inch floppies and we had <laughs> six by nine real thrill, uh, mag tape. And, um, we'd carry all this down these really long piers and get on the tridents and, and, um, work all day installing software.
1: Well, I think that that, I, I don't think any possible way a Segway could present itself other than say, huh, you worked on Trident's and software? Yeah. Hey, that brings us to UCSD where we've got- Yeah, kind all of. All of our logos and stuff. So, uh, but yeah, no, I was I was kind of looking for that little segue point, but yeah. yeah. So from Trident to Triton, where do you got, uh, how did you get uh, on board here at UCSD? When did you get on board? Did you- uh, Immediately after you're retired
2: or what? No, um, I'll make this quick. As my retirement date was coming up, long before that, I knew as a computer guy that I wanted to work at a dot com.
0: Mm. So
2: um, back before 2000, dot coms were kind of like magical things. They were, you know, just emerging and and all the great technology was there and, you know, all the computer people were in dot coms. and, And so I wanted one. And uh, so I found one, I worked from 2000 to 2009 at a company called DataQuick uh, right here in La Jolla. And yeah. um, DataQuick was basically real estate information globally or nationally, let's call it nationally. And you know we had petabytes of real estate information. We moved all the time, just tons of it coming in every day. And there was a mini mainframe there, a lot of windows, uh, Windows MT if you remember. Um, a lot of that. Um, uh, We didn't have much Linux or Unix at the time, but we had a lot of VMware. But anyway, so I did that for nine years and they kept getting sold. They were sold like five times while I worked there. Oh no! Each each time the company was sold, and this kind of a dot-com thing is not unusual, um, you know, a new guy would come in and he'd say, okay, let's reorganize. You can go, let's get rid of those people and let's keep these people. And and I started to see a pattern where maybe the next time they were sold, I was going to be on the chopping block. So that's when I looked at UCSD and said, okay, I did a .com. That was kind of cool. Let's go see what working for a .edu looks like. <laughs> and um, so I interviewed with the School of Medicine over there at um, um, the dean's office. And I don't know if you know the School of Medicine too well here at UCSD, but they have departments like – yeah. Uh, they have radiology, and they have, you know, ver- various factions across the whole um, area of the medical campus there, and um, they have one IT group that managed it, or you know, assisted with all the IT support, yeah, all the computer programming, and that that team was called Badge, and that's the team that I joined. Um, in our group, we have a couple of guys. Well, actually, Badge came over from School of Medicine and is now part of ITS. Yeah, I saw that recently. What does badge that stand happened for? after I I I had left already, but yeah. What does badge stand for? Um business applications development group. Oh, okay. Yeah, of, I saw that recently like, too. It's like, oh we, we were bad, but the the management <laughs> was kind of like, no, you need you need to do something about that name. You can't be business applications development. You you can't just be bad. You have to be something else. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> okay, yeah. okay, you're not bad. You're you can have a badge instead.
2: yeah so we were we don't need no stinking badge
1: (laughs) so when did you uh migrate over to ITS not with the rest of the badge group
2: right no long before them so I stayed with them for four years and in 2013 I kind of like got hooked up with Mojgan and um she was looking for building the new iPass I mean it was in its infancy back then and she was putting out jobs for PAs, uh, PA3s, PA4s. And um, I saw one and I said, well, I'm already doing way more than that. I should talk to Mojgan and see if I can work for Central IT. And she hired me right on. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I
1: do remember like like for like a fraction of a minute, we were on the same team, like right when they were trying to reorg everything. Oh, probably. Yeah. It's like probably
2: reorgs. Yeah.
1: Middleware, PMO, kind of yeah. all this stuff was kind of mushed together at the very, very beginning of ITS. I remember uh, you being in a couple of team meetings with us.
2: Yeah, we, we're keeping middleware alive, but it's kind of, you know, it's kind of embedded. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a subdivision of, of the DIS team. So, so, uh, still-
1: so that, that leads me into a great question. What is it that you do today? What is your primary objective at ITS?
2: Uh, Very good question. What do I do? Because a lot (laughs) of people are asking that question. Let me thank you. So first off, um, I'm an integration engineer by job title. Now I'm an IE5 and I, I know when I look at my job card, there's certain percentages of things I'm supposed to be doing. We're not going to talk about that, but (laughs) just about the things I'm actually doing. I don't know if HR is (laughs) listening. Yeah. Yeah. And um, um, so, Airflow administrator, that's the that's number one things that keeps me really busy. Although yeah. Airflow is not that hard to administrate. It has really cool aspects to it. So I kind of really, I, I asked for it when we were bringing Airflow on, I said, everybody else has already got cool stuff. I want Airflow. You guys need to make sure that I'm the administrator of Airflow. So I got that. I have been doing development at ITS since the beginning. So mm-hmm. I build the things that let other developers build things. And um, in the beginning we called those archetypes and I would design the archetype. I work with David and Louis and some other guys and um, we put a lot of features, uh, including Ashish. We put a lot of features into the archetypes and then we host it so that developers can use those to build their applications. So um, I was an architect architect of a lot of archetypes and um, say that three times fast. (laughs) Also, in the beginning of uh, working with UCOP and data, I did a lot of that moving the data through Java kind of projects. Mm-hmm. That was always interesting, which now we have, you know, we had Informatica and we now have, you know, the the um, activity hubs doing a lot of that work through HANA. Um, but in the beginning, it was Java. And that's, I was there for that. I build a lot of things that are now just, just lately getting more and more traction. One of them is the HANA API. So if you want to access data in the activity hubs, you can either use a reporting tool like Cognos or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. You might be able to use NiFi and get a kind of an integration going in NiFi to get data out of activity hubs. Or you could use my HANA API that I developed and um, access it via a REST API. So um, we built that, Ashish and Natalie and I Um, designed it uh, maybe four or five years ago. And it's just now beginning more and more popular. We've got quality build guys asking to get access to on API. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. So we built that auditing API. The student team is starting to get into that. I built that a long time ago. Wow. The audit API takes the idea that what if I want to record something like an event? And I wanna record it very generically. Like I don't want you to force me in any fields or any you know, um, particular structure. I just want some ad hoc structure I can record an event in. Uh-huh. So we built the auditing API to do that. And it's now uh, publishing into Kafka, soon to be published into HANA and getting more and more use as well. And um, that that's a cool project. I still like working on that. It's been rewritten by mm-hmm. me. Maybe a half dozen times, really, <laughs> as it evolves and it gets you know more and more advanced, restructured. So, so I, I do, do that a lot me. of development, a lot of administration. I present a lot on software designs. Been learning Python for two, three years now. I'm getting pretty good at it. Oh, wow. Python's kind of a cool language. <laughs> yeah, it's fun to play with and uh, and build things with and uh, design with it. What else do I do? I I do podcasts. <laughs> hey oh yeah, paul. paul and i do podcasts together
1: all right We're, we should we should start a whole series <laughs> yeah yeah i do know that you also have a hobby in in the way of riding motorcycles is that right my
2: harley's yes
1: yeah. yeah how many do you have harley's i thought you had one
2: well this is my second uh, Oh, okay second bike and the first of my own choosing um, my first harley was basically what i could afford Oh, I see. And they're not cheap. So, you know, kind of like of all the things I wanted that I couldn't afford, there was one sitting over there that I could afford. So yeah, that's see. what I got. And then I was eventually able to trade that in and get one of that I really wanted and was a design that I liked. And um, and that's what I ride today. Um, I just got a new helmet for Father's Day.
1: So, oh, you did? Nice.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a cool helmet.
1: Yeah. What kind of Harley is it? The new one you got?
2: It's called a street glide special. And um, it's got like a gigantic, enormous engine. So I don't know if you're familiar with CCs. It used to be, you know, like a motorcycle would be a 500cc or a 750 yeah. or a 900. Mm-hmm. My Harley is equivalent to 1650cc. Oh, wow. So <laughs> um, there's nothing like, you know, jumping on an iron horse and blowing up gasoline right between your legs, you know? It's, <laughs> it's, it's the best feeling in the world.
1: That's that's definitely a way to put it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, hey, John, uh, we've had a pretty good discussion here. We talked about everything from the Navy to ITS to uh, yep. blowing up gasoline between your legs. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, well, there's more to bike riding than that. You oh, know? for sure, sure. For all the guys that are out there, we pretty much have a few simple rules. Uh rubber side down, that's one of them. Yeah. If it isn't, you're in big trouble. Yeah. Um, you know, stay safe. Um splitting lanes is dangerous, but yes. we do it anyway. Um, so there's a lot of things about riding bikes in San Diego that we all know, all of yeah. the bike riders that I work with and we talk. Yeah.
1: And I do know they all got that little that little wave. They just kind of give themselves a wave. Yeah, we got
2: bike yeah. wave. Basically, <laughs> that means a lot of different things. Yeah. But it, way back, it started with two wheels down, you know, yeah. like the rubber road. Um, but then later, it's got a lot of other meetings now. That's yeah. funny.
1: All right, sir. Well, thank you for uh, yep. hanging out with us for a little bit and going through a little bit of uh, what is John Gunvaldson and who is he and what does he do? I'm
2: right here and I'm easy to find and I get a million MS team chats a day. so Perfect.
1: Well, Everybody send, knows
2: where I live.
1: I'll send you a couple more tomorrow because we've got a meeting. So yes, sure let's do it.
2: <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm optimistic. We're making we're making progress. Good progress. T- uh, today the hardware
0: got built. So yep, yep, uh, that's good. All right,
1: that's sir. Perfect. Well, thanks again. Thanks again, and we'll
0: go ahead and give it back to Miguel. I sure hope you're enjoying this podcast. Remember to let your fellow IT services staff members know. That This podcast exists. Get everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you can get your podcasts. This podcast is a collaborative effort, and we want to hear from you. If you have any ideas for podcasts or topics, send them to me at its-podcast at ucsd.edu. That's it for today. Keep an ear out for the next episode of The Current Daily.